Good morning, everyone. Well, I want to start this morning with a story from Philip Gully called Why My Wife Bought Handcuffs. When I was 23 years old, he says, I made the best decision of my life. I asked a beautiful, witty woman to be my wife, and she accepted, against the advice of her friends, her family, and a goodly portion of the Western world. On our wedding day, the bridesmaids wore black. For eight years, I was the model of responsibility. I worked hard, I dried dishes, I lowered the toilet seat. Then my wife became pregnant. I attended birthing classes and learned to commiserate. When we brought Spencer home, I rose with her to feed him, and when he regurgitated on me, I bore it with good humor. Three months after his birth, Joan returned to part-time work. On the morning of her departure, she cautioned me to keep a close eye on her son. My feelings were hurt, and I said as much. Please, honey, haven't I proven myself reliable? Thus, I can only think it was the pain of mistrust which caused me to forget my son when I went to the grocery store that afternoon. I was on my way there and turned around to see him. He was missing. I raced home and found him in his crib, glowering, and I knew what he was going to say when he learned to talk. So I confessed to Joan myself over a candlelight dinner and a new silver bracelet. (laughs) Being a Christian woman, Joan forgave me and offered me another chance. And the very next morning, after she handcuffed me to Spencer, she said, Honey, I trust you. (laughs) Reflection on this experience has taught me two things. First, having children causes irreparable damage to those areas of the brain having to do with memory. And second, uh, what's the second point? Oh yeah, the second point is this, we all feel forgotten sometimes. Actually, I learned that second lesson at an early age. My family drove off and forgot me once too. We were on vacation, five kids, mom and dad, and stopped to eat at a Stuckey's. I was in the bathroom when they climbed back into the car and headed out. They went 20 miles before discovering they were a kid short. Took a quick vote, decided to come back for me. It was almost a tie, but at the last minute, mom changed her mind. So sometimes each of us feels forgotten. Saddest line in the Bible is when Christ asked God why he forsook him. If Christ felt left behind, then how can we avoid feeling forgotten and forsaken? Some Bible scholars say that isn't what Jesus meant when he cried out from the cross. They say he was quoting the first line of Psalm 22, because to quote the first line was to affirm that Psalm's victorious conclusion. I have a great deal of respect for Bible scholars, but they're full of baloney on this one. I think Jesus felt forgotten. However, the empty tomb tells us He was remembered, and so are we, which is what I'm going to tell my son, just as soon as I remember where I left him. (laughs) I uh, have driven off and left my kids here at church more than once. Uh, I still remember having a meeting over at a restaurant already in progress, and Pastor Marta came by and said, here's your kids, so I can go home. Oh yeah, I forgot they were there. How my kids must have felt being forgotten. When I was in grad school once, I left my four-year-old daughter in the childcare over at the YMCA. I got all the way home, turned around in the garage to unbuckle her car seat, said a word that Jesus does not approve of, 
raced back. I tried to walk in real casually to the Y as if I had just stepped out to warm the car up. But the teenage girl at the front desk yelled across the lobby, did you forget something? We thought you'd be back for it. (laughs) Have you ever been forgotten? On a much more serious note, I knew a boy once whose parents were divorced and his mother was an alcoholic and a recreational drug user. And as children in that situation often do, they had to grow up really fast. But one day, the oldest boy, he got frustrated and and said to his mother, why can't you stop doing all of this? We kids need you to be here for us. It's not that easy, his mother said. Dad did it, the boy fired back. His father had been a partier also in the 60s, but once the kids were born, he had stopped all of that. Unfortunately, after the divorce, dad had moved away. The boy's mother shook her head and said, I don't understand your father's motivation for doing that. Us, the boy said. He did it for us. And his mother's answer was chilling. Is that all, she said. In that moment, the boy knew he was on his own. He was just weighed on a scale next to beer and marijuana, and the idea that he should be more valuable than those things was mystifying to his own mother. Being forgotten like that is lonely and terrifying, and I'm sure messes with your head. And many of you know this. Too many of you already know this. Thankfully, this boy had a gift from God, a grandmother, who told him to pray that God was always there and that God never forgets anyone. What if she is wrong? What if God did forget you? How complete would your darkness be if you woke up one morning just a speck on this planet in the vastness of space and not a soul cared you were here or what happened to you, not even God. As we study the crucifixion this year for the season of Lent, listen to Jesus' last words from the cross from Matthew 27 verse 45. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus asks God why God abandoned him. What can this horror mean? What can this horror mean about God? Especially to anyone here this morning who feels abandoned by Him. What kind of God is this who can abandon anyone, much less His own Son? The first hint of an answer to this horrifying question comes when we realize that Jesus isn't on the cross crying out words he made up himself. He is crying out a prayer from the Old Testament that we now call Psalm 22, which begins this way. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night you hear my voice but I find no relief. I wonder why Jesus picked this psalm. 
the words I just read to you obviously fit the moment of the cross, but Psalm 22 is not all gloom and distress like that. And there are other Psalms that are. Psalm 22 actually reads like a roller coaster. It starts low, like we've just read, but then it starts climbing in verse 3. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. But at the height of the hope, then the despair sets in and the prayer goes rocketing back down into sadness. Verse 6, but I am a worm and not a man. I am scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads saying, is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. But then comes memory. Memory of the blessings of God. Verse 9, yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb and led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth. You have been my God from the moment I was born. And then a request. Do not stay so far from me for trouble is near and no one else can help me. Can you really make a request like that of a God that you're sure has abandoned you? Do not stay so far from me, for trouble is near, and no one else can help me. Then the prayer continues, and here it kind of bleeds into prophecy as it describes some of the very things that happened to Jesus on the cross. Verse 16, my enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. And then the prayer ends with these lines of triumphant hope. Verse 27, the whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to him. All the families of the nations will bow down before him, for royal power belongs to the Lord. He rules all nations. Our children will also serve him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything he has done. And that's the end. You know, Jesus was not surprised by the cross. In every gospel, he predicts his death many times before it happens. Yet he feels the pain of loss all the same. How how can he know that it's going to happen and then cry out in such anguish? Well, let me ask you the same question. How many of you, if your parents have not passed away already, how many of you know someday your parents will die? If you're married and assuming that you don't pass away first, how many of you know someday your spouse will die? How many of you are pretty sure your spouse is trying to push you to the head of the line to cross the finish line first? Don't answer that. Well, if you already know these things are going to happen, then why are you going to spend so much time crying when it does? You knew it was going to happen. Well, the reason we cry is because we're human. We feel the pain of loss no matter what, whether we knew it was going to happen or not. 
Jesus dying on the cross is dying. And though he knows the glory that awaits, he feels the pain of loss because he is human. This is the mystery of Jesus. To have two natures, to be fully God, but also, and we often forget, fully human. And this prayer he's quoting, it was written by someone else who felt great loss. Someone who could talk themselves into remembering the days before that were good and the days ahead that will be good. But that didn't take away from the pain of the today. Jesus chooses to pray this prayer for himself in his darkest moment. And this is going to be key for us. Everyone, you'll want to pick up on this. Because much bad theology has been written about who God is. Based on Jesus' last words from the cross. Written by those who did not go back and read the prayer he was actually praying. Jesus is not stating a fact that God has forsaken him. You know how we know that? Because that's not the meaning of Psalm 22. And Jesus does not quote scripture out of context. How many know that's true today? But Jesus is stating his real feeling, the very real feeling that God has forgotten him. And that is the meaning of Psalm 22. And he expresses that feeling. It's not repressed or held inside. It's right out there, right out loud for everyone to hear in front of God and everyone to be recorded again into Matthew 27. But because he chose the words of Psalm 22, there is also something checking that feeling, something about this prayer that guides Jesus through this grief so that he is not destroyed by it. There is a clinging to hope even from the cross. This is the reason Jesus chooses Psalm 22. It is his best prayer for the moment. It remembers to hope in God, but it honestly states the fear and the terror of the moment. That is also the meaning of Psalm 22. He proclaims who God is. The God who does not forget us, even when we believe That he has. We need a prayer like that. Lots of us this morning need a prayer like that. Particularly this day or this week or already this year. I have a prayer today for all those who feel forgotten by God. Now I like to walk when I pray. I'm a pacer. I pace around the house. I pace around the church. I pace around the neighborhood. So when I make up a prayer. It's going to be a walking prayer. I actually don't even remember if I made this up or not. I, or if I've just been praying it so long now, I think I made it up. So me or, or somebody made this up, but it is a walking prayer. And to, to pray this prayer, you're going to need like a place to walk. It could be a field near your property. As long as it's got four sides, a trail that you like, as long as it's got four parts. For me, it's a, it's a block in my neighborhood surrounded by four streets. And you go out your door, and that's the first leg of the prayer. And on the first street, the first side of the field, first leg of the prayer, pour out all your feelings of abandonment. Just rant the entire block with exactly the feelings that you have. Verse 2 of the psalm. Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. It's true. There's no use in denying it. 
Sometimes when you pray, you cannot hear the voice of God. And sometimes that feeling goes on for years. Now, is that our fault because we're not listening? Or is it God's fault because he's not speaking? In this prayer, it doesn't matter because it all feels the same. You just pour it out just as it feels to you. These words that you're praying, they come from the Bible. Jesus prayed words like this, so you can pray them too. Sometimes God feels so far away. The whole first leg of the prayer is yours to tell the truth. But then you come to the corner and you turn. And in the second leg of the prayer, you keep silence to see if today is the day God speaks. I, I don't expect that anyone will hear a, a booming voice from heaven. Um, let it, certainly let me know if you do. More often you hear us say things like, God spoke to my heart. You know, a, a, a wisdom will come to you that you didn't have before you prayed. A thought will come to you that's far away from what you were thinking at the time. Um, you'll be griping about this and you'll hear a voice that says, yeah, but what about that? To you, they seem unconnected, but in that moment you realize they are connected. This is often what we mean. This is what we're listening for. Now, as Pastor Dan reminds us often, God is not a genie who pops out of the bottle because we finally decide to rub the lamp. He's not a lap dog who we finally sit down and and he pops up in our lap and licks us in the face. God does not have to show up just because we decided to take a walk. If God does not speak on this leg of the walk, then focus on breathing. Focus on walking, not running or rushing. Focus on listening for the still, small voice, not turning the second leg into rant part two, or filling in the things we wish God would say to us. And then you come to the next corner and you turn. On the third leg of the prayer, if God spoke, say again what you think you heard God say. This is also good practice with children. After you're done telling them something, ask them, what do you think I just said? Very enlightening answers come back to you. The same on the third leg of your prayer. God, I think I heard you say this. And sometimes you hear the Holy Spirit say, yes, yes. And sometimes you hear the Holy Spirit say, no, no. If God did not speak, then on the third leg of the prayer, say something that is true of God. That's all the writer of Psalm 22 could do that day. They just remembered things that were true of God in the past. Verse 4, our ancestors trusted in you and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. For you, it might just be as simple as there was a time I knew that you loved me. And this becomes your anchor. You may not feel these truths today, but you acknowledge that they're there and they're anchoring you to the shore so you don't drift out into a sea of chaos and unbelief. There was a time you knew God loved you. And then you come to the corner and you turn. And now this is the last leg of your prayer. In my neighborhood, I'm heading back to my house. And the fourth leg, keep silence again. Prepare to go back into the house and live. Prepare to go on living until God chooses to reveal himself. But live in honesty with where you and God are. 
Not running away from how you feel, not explaining away what God is or isn't doing, but waiting on Him. That is the prayer I commend to you in four legs and a walk. The prayer Jesus chose for his last words reminds us all of this. All relationships, especially in crisis, need these two things, honesty and accurate memory. So it was back in 2012 that Ashley and I, Ashley and my wife and I were arguing all the time and we needed to go to counseling and we went, although I felt utterly hopeless that things were going to get any better. And the first day in the counselor's office, I can still remember the counselor looking at me and saying, so why did you marry Ashley? It was actually a very easy question to answer. I said, because she's so fun and yet so normal. I mean, I'm weird. I'm the guy who dresses up as Obi-Wan Kenobi when Star Wars opens. But I didn't want to marry a girl like that. I wanted to be a geek but have a normal girl, you know, have my cake and eat it too. But that's what she was. You know, I'm very weird and not very many normal women can put up with me, but, but she can. But more than that, I said, I married her because she loves God. She really makes the hard calls in life and she always sides with the way of Jesus. You don't have to talk Ashley into tithing. You don't have to talk her into forgiving difficult people. You don't have to talk her into sacrificing comfort to serve others. She's the real deal sitting over there. And of course, she's beautiful. Everywhere I go, I'm with the prettiest girl in the room. And everywhere she goes, she's with that guy who looks like Phil Coulson from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> the person next to you just said Phil Coulson's way better looking. Just elbow him really hard. Full permission. Tahiti, it's a beautiful place. Um, yes, she's fun. She... Walks with God. She's beautiful. The counselor asks, well, what's changed? Nothing, I suppose. I mean, we're not communicating well right now. We fight all the time, but I really don't know why, because you're right. She hasn't really changed. And from that foundation of honesty and accurate memory came hope, and we got to work. Your relationship with God this season of Lent may need the same. Honesty. How do you feel today about you and God? Blessed or abandoned? And memory about what God has been and where he's been and who he's been to you. There was a time you knew God loved you. Honesty and accurate memory, they carried Jesus through the moment of his death into victory. They will carry you through this season also. Carrie Hartzell is one of your fellow congregants here at Lakeland, and we asked her if she would share her story of feeling abandoned by God and honesty and memory, and she said she would. So let us welcome Carrie as she shares her story. Good morning. My name is Carrie Hartzell, and this is my story. June 29, 2013, a day that forever changed my life. I ended up in the hospital with a 104-degree temperature. My head felt like it was going to explode. Meningitis. They tell me 
It's the good meningitis. It's viral. After four days in the hospital, I was discharged home and told it would feel like I was recovering from the flu. This would not be the case. Instead, I was left with an injury to my brain, bilateral hearing loss, ringing in my ears, hearing aids, horrible migraines, chronic pain, debilitating fatigue, severe vertigo, and issues with my balance and mobility. I would ultimately lose my ability to drive, to care for myself, a career I loved and worked so hard for, my independence, and my identity. I felt grief over what used to be and anxiety for what was unknown. It was during this time that I would also lose a bit of my faith. I would try to calm myself and say this was part of God's plan and just hold on. But to be quite honest, I didn't really care for the plan that God had devised for me. I grew impatient, waiting for him to answer my prayers. I just couldn't accept this in-between season of my life, and I wanted a fast fix. After an extensive effort of trying to do things my way, I reached a low point, and I was feeling completely exhausted and broken. I wondered what I had done to deserve this pain. About three years into my illness, I started showing up to church regularly. Not just coming in and sitting down, I mean showing up. It was an intentional um, act to help me get out of my own head and to feel God's presence. Some of you may have seen me sitting over there crying, sobbing, actually, (laughs) week after week. I was never embarrassed, and I was never quick to wipe my tears. I was completely exposed when I came to church. I couldn't contain my emotions. Every hour of every day, I was fighting a battle. It was a fight to put my feet on the floor every day and start it all over again. I had to fight for my identity, my health, my brain, my strength, my independence, my spirit, and my life. God knew that I was getting weary and tired. He knew exactly what I needed and where I could go. He pulled me out of bed those mornings and got me here. The minute I walked through the doors, I could feel the weight lifting. This is the only place that I felt safe enough to be vulnerable. I didn't have to put on a brave face and pretend to be strong. All I had to do was show up and be open to receiving his love and grace. Over the years, most of my prayers consisted of asking God to take away my pain, to heal my ailments, and to restore my broken heart. Many times I felt disheartened when he didn't answer my prayers. I was discouraged and felt abandoned. I felt like giving up sometimes. I finally realized that God didn't want me to give up. He wanted me to give in. He was waiting for me to lean in and lean on him. My faith has shifted from just believing in God and praying to God to actually surrendering to him. This has made all the difference in my walk with Christ. June 29, 2013, the day my life forever changed in the most unexpected ways. I no longer wish this day away from my memories. I have come to embrace my hardships, and I value the lessons I've learned. I appreciate that this is part of my story now. I get that I needed to hurt before I could heal. When I reflect on the times that I thought God had forsaken me, I can see now that he was preparing me for something greater. It was through immense pain that I was able to experience God's grace and glory on a much deeper level. 
and I consider it a blessing to be one of his chosen warriors and share my story. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. My name is Carrie Hartzell, and this is my story. So it is a season of Lent, a season of reflection. We have the cross uh, during the season of Lent at the back of the sanctuary. So that's going to be our focus here for a good amount of time. So let us stand together and turn and face the cross. And this will be a time of prayer. First, we'll pray in silence, and then the band is going to sing a song. That is just to help us in our prayer. There won't be any words up here. There's no reason to to turn back here. There's nothing going on. So silence and the song, all time for our prayer. This is time for you to have honesty and accurate memory with God. Honesty about where you are with God today. Are you blessed or abandoned? Are you detached? Or maybe you just don't believe in Him at all, but you can pour all of that out to Him. And accurate memory. Where has He been as you have gone through what you go through? Where have you felt Him? Where have you not? Maybe just as simple as there was a time I knew that you loved me. If you become uncomfortable with standing and you want to sit, you can sit. Uh, There's nothing really wrong you can do during this time as long as you are connected to God. Around that cross, there are candles you can light for a prayer if you want to do that. There are other prayers to pray. There's some foam there if you have no cartilage left in your knee, but you still want to kneel. Um, There's a place to do that. So this is your time to sort through things with God with honesty and accurate memory. First in silence, then in song. So let us go to God in prayer. Our prayer for a benediction uh, is a Celtic prayer. It's assigned to St. Patrick. I don't know if he really said it or not. I wasn't there in the 1100s. But uh, this is the type of prayer he would have prayed. He was someone who knew what it was like to strike out on your own in hostile territory and have just to rely on Christ and just pray that he surround you and protect you. So let's pray this prayer together. Uh, let us stand. This will, be our, this will be our benediction. Christ as a light, illumine and guide me. Christ as a shield, overshadow me. Christ under me, Christ over me, Christ beside me, on my left and my right. This day be within and without me, lowly and meek, yet all-powerful. Be in the heart of each to whom I speak, in the mouth of each who speaks unto me. This day be within and without me, lowly and meek, yet all-powerful. Christ as a light, Christ as a shield, 
Christ beside me on my left and my right, surrounded by that presence. Go in peace. Amen.